Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Melissa Dill. Melissa Dill is the Managing Director for Applied Technology in Crow's Healthcare Industry Vertical, as well as serves as the firm-wide leader of product management. She has deep healthcare experience with more than 33 years of experience in healthcare leadership, operations, technology, and consulting. She has worked in and with a wide range of healthcare providers, including large multi-hospital systems, physician practices, community hospitals, and post-acute organizations. Well, good afternoon, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Melissa, you and I go way back. We both worked at Ascension Health, and that was a great time in our careers. And and I just love the fact that we get to reconnect again, especially on this podcast. So thank you again. And I do want to just start jumping into some of the questions here. Again, I know you because I've worked with you as a colleague in the past, but your career is just simply amazing. You've got a lot of leadership in the healthcare, health tech space. Could you share with our audience what drives you and what has contributed to your success? Sure, I'd be happy to, Brian. I often describe my career path as an accidental career path. You may not be aware, but I started my career, uh, let's just say decades ago, as an occupational therapist. So I actually started on the clinical side of healthcare, taking care of patients. I ended up showing some leadership skills or capabilities in my various roles as an OT and ended up rising through leadership, a senior therapist, a department supervisor, a manager, and kind of rose up through the leadership path on the clinical operations side and eventually had the fortune to be part of a, a joint venture acute care rehab hospital in the Indianapolis area. And I was the startup manager for the occupational therapy department. And candidly, I jumped from being a supervisor of about 10 or 11 people in OT and PT to uh, being part of a startup team, building a new specialty hospital and leading a team of about 50 occupational therapists. At that point in time, I was probably only about six or seven years into my professional career. So I look back on that and I think, well, uh, how did that happen and how much did I not know? And the answer is a lot. I really took off from leadership there. Uh, My path through leadership really started at that freestanding rehabilitation hospital in Indianapolis. While there, I started as a department manager. I then became a program director and helped set up their outpatient rehab programs, a home-based rehab program, and eventually was the director of operations for the hospital. And so uh, I ended up having an operating role for the hospital overall. It was there that I really got my introduction into technology. This was around uh, Y2K, so right around the year 2000 transition in which folks in technology or people in general thought that the world was going to shut down at 12.01 a.m. on January 1, 2000. The hospital that I was in at the time did not have a Y2K compliant hospital information system. So at the time, I was tasked with being the executive sponsor of that project to move the hospital to a hospital information system. That's where I really started. It kind of piqued my interest in technology. Again, that was in the late 1990s. We moved through that project, implemented a new hospital information system, Meditech at the time. The world didn't end on January of 2000. From there, I went into physician practice administration. Candidly, I thought, how hard can this be? I've run a hospital. 
I moved into physician practice administration and I quickly gained an understanding of how different and how hard it was to be in physician practice management. I continued my technology path there, uh, moved them from paper to, at that time, uh, I wouldn't even call it electronic, but an online billing system that I'm not even sure is in production anymore. I worked at that practice, had the opportunity to help them wind down the practice as they were merging with a much larger practice. Took up some consulting. In that consulting space, I often served as what I called the chair swiveler or the operational interpreter between technical consultants and our clients because I could speak operations and I could speak enough technology to get by. That consulting work actually took me to Ascension. And that was the first job where I actually worked for the IS or the IT department. I started out there helping to establish what at that time was the system office, technology project management office and served in various roles. Most of it was around executive and leadership business relationship management. That then took me into expanding my role into being responsible for Ascension's technology PMO, their shared and system-wide applications, the technology vendor management organization, IT service management. I served in that role for several years and my last about year and a half there, I actually was responsible for leading the technology transformation office to help Ascension Information Services move to a product operating model. I left Ascension and then went to the vendor side. I joined Crow LLP in Indianapolis as their first healthcare technology leader, and that's where I'm at today. I've been at Crow for about two and a half years. I lead their product engineering team for healthcare, and I am not externally facing, so I'm not out there selling. I'm not a consultant, but I lead a team of product architects, developers, implementation, and support specialists in the healthcare finance and revenue cycle space. So that path, I felt it was important when you asked the question, that kind of wandering path to get to where I'm at today, you know, has been interesting, but it also has been, you know, a very satisfying career path for me. I, I love what I do. I'm at a point in my career where I can really work with folks who are earlier in their career and share my story and hopefully impart some of my uh, learnings along the way to them. So hopefully I answered your question. I know that was a long question or a long answer, Brian, but wanted to make sure I shared how I got here. Sure. No, I appreciate that. That's awesome. And I like the fact that you can give back like I do on this platform is you can give back to those that are uh, either coming out of college or just a few years into their career as a mentor. So Melissa, thank you for sharing that. I did certainly enjoy that piece of it. So Melissa, I'm going to jump in here. As you know, everybody globally has to make major shifts to adapt to the new normal during this pandemic. Could you share with us what you're doing to help your organization stay relevant in this economy? Yeah, sure, Brian. And and so there's there's lots of different things happening. You know, it seems like the new normal, you know, shifts to be a new normal often, at least throughout my career in technology. What we've experienced in 2020 has been pretty incredible. And I don't want to use overused words, but it's certainly been unprecedented in my lifetime and in my career. We are at a point where lots of things in healthcare technology are being accelerated. You know, 
one of those obviously is, is virtual care, telehealth. Another is remote work. And so it's interesting if you start looking at the healthcare technology trends that are out there, those are always near the top. But the one that actually is surprisingly kind of coming to the forefront is really doubling down on what I call table stakes technology. What are we doing to enable people to do their jobs? You know, down to the basics of what devices do they have? How do they access the network? Can they do video? Can they, you know, do they have the right equipment? Do they have the right access? So those three things are really top of mind, certainly at Crow and I think in the healthcare technology industry in general. So what am I doing to help Crow stay relevant in this economy? Well, one of the things that we're certainly doing as a healthcare practice, and I'm careful not to speak for our healthcare consulting practice because I'm really on the technology side that gets the healthcare products out there for our consultants to use or for our clients to use, but I'm not actually a consultant. We're really trying to stay on top of, so what is it that our healthcare clients needs? Are our hospitals and health systems physician practices that are our clients, what do they need from Crow, in particular in the revenue cycle and finance space? So we are excited to be using and, uh, and actually implementing some new technologies to make us, I'll use a term you've probably heard uh, us use before from your former colleagues at, colleagues at Ascension, what, how do we become better, faster, cheaper, and more secure? And that is more important now than ever. So we're introducing some new technologies. I know I'm not promoting anything at all, but I'm excited for the work that we are now doing with Snowflake here at Crow. We're taking all of our legacy products. Crow has just shy of 20 legacy healthcare products. One of them is what, what I call the gold standard for healthcare finance in the net revenue space. It's in about 1,500 hospitals across the country. Country. We are taking our products and we're moving them from disparate technologies onto one platform that's powered by Snowflake. So you might say, how does that help you stay relevant? Well, it moves us toward that being better, faster, cheaper, and more secure. We're rationalizing our product portfolio. We're getting to a consistent architecture. We're getting to a consistent tech stack. All of those things should help make the user experience better. It should hopefully help drive some of our costs down. It should eliminate or mitigate some of our points of failure that come with having all these different technologies and ways to access and interfaces, et cetera, et cetera. So we're really trying to move forward and stay on top of what's the best technology out there that can help us in our journey for our clients to be better, faster, cheaper, more secure. We're also, again, we really, try to focus in on finance and revenue cycle in the healthcare space. So we try to be a mile deep and an inch wide. We don't purport that we can go out there and do everything in the healthcare technology space, nor even in the healthcare finance and revenue cycle space. So to stay relevant, we're focusing on what are those client needs that we have and, and what are we really good at? 
we're really good at net revenue. We're really good at outpatient charge capture analysis. So what do we do in technology to enable those services or those products, you know, to our clients? So that's kind of at the macro level. At, at the micro level for me personally, I'm trying to stay involved with things like what you're doing here, Bryant, with podcasts. You know, virtual education right now is at its, it's, at its peak. You know, so what's out there, a lot of it is free, right? Yep. A lot of folks are saying, darn it, we had to pivot quickly. How do we get people back to our platform? How do we get people to pay attention to those big conferences where thousands would go and get in rooms together? So trying to just personally, I'm trying to take care, you know, take note of those things and watch out for what's Google doing? What's Amazon doing? What's Microsoft doing? And are there free things out there that I can take advantage of to make sure I stay on top of? what's happening out there. So I don't have a magic answer for you, Brian. I wish I did, <laughs> but we're just trying to figure out how do we, how do we stay on top of things for our clients, for our customers? And then personally for me, how do I ensure that I'm staying aware of what's happening out there? And right now that's through just a lot of virtual education. Thank you for sharing, Melissa. I do appreciate that. So Melissa, I know you talked a little bit about some of your legacy applications and, and the way you're shifting to get that better, cheaper, faster, more secure, right? Are you looking or leveraging any new emerging technologies within your company? Anything you care to share with us? Sure. So, you know, I just shared what we were doing about, as you said, we're rationalizing our technologies that we're using and looking at new emerging technologies that are out there, such as Snowflake. But we're also doing other things in our journey to be better, faster, cheaper. So we're looking to try to eliminate duplication and variation and rationalize, as I said. But we're also looking at areas such as, you know, quality assurance and testing. Manual testing is still very prevalent in healthcare, and I get it. I understand why it is. But one of the things that we're doing that really allows some of our younger talent to develop is we're moving to full stack development where we are having our developers not only learn these sort of new emerging technologies, right? So whether it's a cloud-based technology or new data warehouse types of technologies or machine learning or advanced analytics, we're having our developers also really move into understanding and being able to implement and use automated testing to really be able to test one another's code. And we are adopting a lot of tools, if you will. I'm not, I'm not sure what the right word is, but we're using Azure DevOps and we have moved more toward that being our standard, if you will, where our developers, as well as our scrum team, can track their user stories, can ensure that that's the single source for code and where we keep code. So we are trying to, you know, really not just leverage new or emerging technologies like Snowflake, but we're also trying to really hone in and make our processes efficient and tight by, again, automating testing, doing full stack developing, using, in this case, Azure DevOps as kind of our single code repository and user stories, backlog, et cetera. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to share in that space because it's a really broad conversation, but those are some of the highlights, Brian. Thank you for sharing, Melissa. So Melissa, I got to tell you, this is this question right here, our last question. Our audience wants to know more about Melissa Dill. Can you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow into the healthcare, health tech space? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, I have lots of stories, so I'll try not to tell too many stories, Brian, but there are some things that stick out in my mind. 
you know, as I shared earlier, my career path was pretty wandering to get to where I'm at today. And I do often, you know, folks often say, so you started as an occupational therapist. How, how are you in technology? How are you in the position that you're in today? And there's a couple of things I've, you know, candidly, I've kind of learned along the way. I've been doing this for a long, long time. So you do get to a point in your career where you reflect back. And, you know, I ask myself, how did I get here? And was it really accidental? And I don't have an answer to that, by the way, but here's some things that stick out. And again, none of these are rocket science, but don't be afraid to say, I don't know. I've had so many times and I continue to have probably at least once a day, if not more, where I have to say, you know, I'm not really sure, but let me find out. And I often take those things as a challenge, right? I really don't like it when I don't know something or I don't understand something. So I take, I don't, you know, questions to which I don't know the answer or I'm not sure. I really take that as a personal challenge to go out and figure out. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't know how to use C-sharp, so I'm going to go out and figure out how to do that. I, I don't mean down to that level that I'm going to, you know, figure out how to become a very skilled architect or engineer or developer. But I take that, those questions to which I don't know the answer, and I'm like, I got to go find out a little bit more about this. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know. And also, you know, if you're so inclined, use that as a challenge. So that the next time you're asked that question, you can say something beside I don't, besides I don't know. So that's one thing. The second thing that I learned from a very close colleague that I, I call a, a friend today uh, was a former CIO for Ascension and the chief executive officer of Ascension Information Services. And he used a phrase that I've often even quoted, as uh, Brian, you probably noticed on LinkedIn, <laughs> every so often I'll say, always be upfront blunt and candid. Yep. And I, I stick to that to this day. Always be upfront, blunt and candid. That doesn't mean that you can't be sensitive. Doesn't mean that you can't be understanding. It doesn't mean that you have to be hard edge. But I think being transparent and being upfront, blunt and candid, it's really a, a solid piece of advice that he provided to me. And I, I follow that to this day. It doesn't always mean that it's well received <laughs> and you have to, you know, you kind of have to uh, adjust based on that. But I use that upfront, blunt and candid. The third and my last that I'll share is that I had a, I was doing a presentation one time to a group of people who were much more important than me. And I knew the topic inside and out. I knew exactly what I was talking about. And it was relative to an opportunity to decrease the size of our revenue cycle application portfolio. We had too many applications out there in revenue cycle, many of them duplicative. So our cost was higher, lots of opportunities for failure, data was all over the place. I knew that subject matter inside out. So I was doing this presentation to these folks who were much more important than I was. So I had that kind of mindset. And at that time, uh, one of the individuals in the room who I don't talk to her much anymore, but I consider her very influential in my career, she stops the meeting and says, Melissa, what is your fear? I sent your holding back. What is your fear? which stopped me dead in my tracks. Of course, I totally lost track of what I was saying or what I was thinking, what I was about to present and thought, what an odd question. What is my fear? And I went on with the presentation, but I remember that day so well. And that's probably been eight, nine, maybe even 10 years ago, Brian. 
And I often use that to kind of counsel myself when I'm getting ready for what might be a contentious conversation or a presentation or even a one-on-one with someone where maybe you have to get or you're about to get uh, receive some feedback that's challenging. I often will ask myself, what is my fear? What's the worst thing that can happen? And if that fear comes to be, how am I going to respond? And I share that as my last example. What is your fear? And it opens up a whole level of dialogue that most people probably don't have with themselves, right? We're easy to say, I'm afraid of this. Or what if I go into this meeting and this happens? But to dig under it a little bit and say, what is my fear? I use that just about every day. Wow. So that's it, Brian. No, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. I know our audience would very much appreciate what you've shared today as a lot of them look up to professionals like yourself who's pioneered and did some trailblazing, honestly. And and as a woman in technology, I think you have absolutely nothing but pride to look back on your career and, and share with others. So thank you for sharing, Melissa. I do appreciate it. Melissa, it was a pleasure having you on today, and I look forward to speaking with you real soon. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Bye for now.